Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Thank you for tuning in to WFYL 1180 AM, where we are working for your liberty and talking about things that matter. And there's not much out there today that really talks about things that matter. There's a lot of radio shows and they talk about a lot of things, but uh, we aim to talk about things that really matter. Uh, the show is called Biblically Speaking, and my name is Ken Souter. And today we have a tremendous program. We are going to have a special guest coming up just in a few minutes here. And uh, he and I will be discussing a recent sermon he preached called Don't You Dare Give Up and a few other things, I'm sure. Uh, if you are like me, uh, you may be looking around the world these days and wondering if God is still in control. And if he is, will he be there for his covenant people? during these difficult times. So you'll want to stay around for the entire hour. But before that, I wanted to open the show with a look at a verse in the book of Proverbs that the Lord has spoken to me about this week uh, as I was thinking about some things. You know, the book of Proverbs should be mandatory in public schools, it should be mandatory in every household, but in public schools, understanding and applying these sayings will make you truly wise and prosperous. And, uh, you know, kids need that today. They don't have any direction whatsoever, in, in, at least in the public schools. Read them daily. Teach them to your kids. They are really interesting, short, pithy statements of godly wisdom that will help you make good choices in life. I have some Dear friends, and they just seem to not be able to make good choices. And I, it, it just it just grieves me, really, to watch. And it's so, like, friend, let me just, let me help you. Start reading Proverbs. <laughs> There's a lot of wisdom in Proverbs. And uh, I've been reading Proverbs for all my Christian life, and uh, it's just, it's just a, a real treasure chest of uh, nuggets of truth that will help you uh, make better choices in life and understand, really, the world around you. And that's so critically important today. And so we're going to look today at Proverbs 28, 13. And that proverb says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso cover confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You know, why do many people prosper? In Psalm 1, we read that the righteous man prospers. Whosoever, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, it says. And in 3 John verse 2, it says, Behold, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. Prosperity and success with peace and joy are easy, really. Confess and forsake your sins right now. Poverty and failure with pain and misery are also easy. Hide your sins and pretend you are doing fine. Um, God will not let you get away with the smallest sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. And so the question is, what do you want? Do you want prosperity or destruction? What is sin? Sin is easily defined. They are breaking God's rules for living. And all his rules are found in the Bible. 
Sins are doing what God commanded you not to do, and sins are not doing what God commanded you to do. There are two main commandments dictating your love of God and neighbor. And then underneath that are the Ten Commandments detailing these duties a little bit further and in more detail. And then the rest of the Bible really just spells out the proper application of each of these ten. So it's love to your neighbor and God, and then the Ten Commandments, and then the rest of the Bible spelling out how you live these out. And when you sin, you have a choice. You can keep the sin to yourself, hide it from others, not mention it to God, and do um, do it again when the urge hits. Or you can drop to your knees, confess it openly to God, make restitution if it involves others, and take the necessary steps to avoid committing the sin again. So your choice in the matter will greatly affect your life. You know, all men sin. The Bible knows this. In 1 John 1, 8 and 10, it says that all that we are that we that all sin. And how you handle your sins makes all the difference in the world. If you confess them, the Bible says he that is God is faithful and just to forgive you. But if you keep the sins in your heart, he will not hear your prayers and he will turn his face against you, bringing trouble. You can read about that in Psalm 66 and 1 Peter 3. No one can sin too much, too often or too horrible for God not to forgive him. His thoughts and ways are far above your thoughts and our ways and his ability to forgive and pardon sins. He has more forgiveness than any man. God will always accept the broken and contrite heart. He will never despise or reject such a sacrifice. So what keeps us from confessing it? It's pride and rebellion, stubbornness. Proud rebellion and stubbornness. If you think about two of the most wicked kings in the Bible, Ahab and Manasseh. Yet God had mercy on both of them, which is an excellent reading for those doubting God's forgiveness. You can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 21 and 2 Chronicles chapter 33. David, as you know, committed adultery and uh, against God's great blessing and knowledge of God, committed this adultery and, and, and murder. Yet, God forgave him in an instant. And you can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13. And God forgave Peter, who sinned horribly with cursing and oaths after pompous promises. Hide and protect your sin, and the righteous God will grind you to powder from the inside out. Confess and forsake them. And he will restore your soul with life and light. So you have a choice, dear friend, a simple choice. What will you do today? And the way you handle your sins will determine your future prosperity or destruction. Be like David rather than Saul and reap David's blessing rather than Saul's punishment. 
We'll take a short break here, and I'm going to – well, actually, we're not going to take a break. We're going to get right into it. I think we probably have the timing appropriate here. But what I want to do is uh, introduce my guest today. His name is Pastor Robert Rubino. Uh, Pastor Rubino is a friend of mine, and he uh, comes all the way from Brooklyn, New York. He pastors a small church up there in, in Coney Island called Fellowship Baptist Church. And the reason I asked him to come on the, this morning is because uh, of a sermon he recently preached, which I heard on Sermon Audio. And it says, don't you dare lose faith. Um, Pastor Rubino, are you there this morning? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me on today. So, yes, I listened to that sermon a couple times, and I think you really helped me. Um, you know, how to think about recent events in general, but the COVID-19 in particular is everybody's really been uh, completely, I don't know what you would say, just everything's been up in the air and nothing normal anymore, really, it seems. So um, it's really great that uh, you preached this sermon. Could you begin with a brief overview of what that sermon was all about? And then maybe we could look at some of the you know points in detail and then maybe relate it to some of the stuff that's actually happening in our country today. Um, many Christians are losing faith. I, I talked to a brother today, and uh, he uh, he just he really just called me to get encouragement. He you know, he said, "I'm looking around at the world, and you know, the normal response now is like, when's Jesus coming back? You know, uh, wondering if God is still in control and and all that." So, why don't you uh, begin the conversation here with all that? Sure. Well, um, first of all, let me say that I know that God is fully in control. And I want to give him all the glory for what he's done for me and my family and my life. Uh, obviously, Brooklyn, New York might not be rated as the number one city uh, for a Christian with a family to live. But he sustained us and my wife and our seven children uh, for a long time. So we cannot be discouraged just because of the circumstances we've been placed in. And what I tried to bring out in the sermon is that. It's pretty embarrassing for Christians not to be discouraged or to be fearful. This happens to everyone, myself included. But to stay in that state mm. is embarrassing, and it's not a faithful witness. And this is not the witness we are to give to the world. And in the sermon, I had worked on the text of Second Kings chapter 6 and also Luke 24, in Ephesians 6, and what I wanted to show is that even when we can't see God's sovereign hand, he's there. And one of the things that hurts us is when we are short-sighted. And one of the things that is killing the modern church is not realizing the rich history we have, uh, especially in the, text of, in the text of Scripture is that we can look at certain times in the history of God's people um, where it looks really bad. And as a matter of fact, before there's a breakthrough many times, it always looks bad. I mean, Moses did not always feel like he was living in victory. Um, Elisha, uh, with his servant next to him, and that's why I use Second Kings chapter 6, his uh, servant was petrified. But when uh, Elijah prayed and the servant's eyes were opened, uh, he saw God's army uh, surrounding them and protecting them as bad as it looked. And I linked that with Ephesians chapter 6, because when we're told to put on the full armor of God, 
this is not just a pithy saying or, or a cheap part of scripture. We need that spiritual power and protection from the Lord. And we are always to stay encouraged. And we have to thank God that uh, the apostles stood on their faith. And then, of course, the early church and all throughout church history, it's looked really bad. It, it, it's looked as if Christianity was completely defeated. And I was just upset that you heard so much complaining and so many people distraught over coronavirus. Meanwhile, we have a heritage of Christians who lived through the reign of Nero mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, severe persecution. And we, we need to encourage each other and we need to focus on the rich history that we have um, yeah. as a Christian people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can say that generally out there from my experience is, uh, there's not a lot of optimism out there. I think, generally speaking, our nature is to uh, <clears throat> see things pessimistic, the half glass, you know, the glass half empty versus glass, half glass full, whatever. Um, and especially in, in many churches today, um, we had a great sermon this past week in Luke 10, where the disciples were very excited about the fact that even the, the, the you know, the demons and the devils were obeying him and Jesus, you know, described to them that he saw Satan falling from, from heaven. And, um, you know, the conclusion was there that, that right now Jesus Christ is king and he is ruling and reigning over this world. And his enemies are either being converted to be his friends or they're being destroyed. And, uh, you know, it's this, uh, this way of thinking and understanding, of course, is post-millennialism for the most part, I believe. Um, it's optimistic. It sees that Christ is on the throne, that Christ is is uh, reigning. He's been exalted, sitting at the right hand of God, where he is uh, putting all his enemies under his footstool until the last enemy, which will be the end of the world, will be death and the final judgment and then the resurrection. So, uh, I don't know why more, more people don't see that. Um, it's it's kind of depressing to me that that this was pretty much, I think, the the thinking in the church for hundreds of years, thousands of years, well, whatever. But uh, you know, here we are, where you won't find very many people that um, think that way. Right. Amen. No, absolutely. And what we're going through right now is. We're, we're kind of like the proverbial champion who hasn't been challenged for a while. I mean, Christ, the Christian faith, even the faith as it has disintegrated, people were still for a long time cultural Christians. And we were very homogenous in many of our nations with the religion that many, especially those in the West, European nations followed. Mm-hmm. But as we became multicultural nations, uh, people actually would challenge the faith and you know, we're that lazy champ that you win so easily without really trying. You don't train for your next fight and you get knocked out by someone who's hungrier and more determined than you. And we, we have to learn how to study again. And what's happened in, I mean, let's just come out with guns blazing since you're going to have me on today. I mean, let me make this statement. Mm-hmm. What's happened in the modern evangelical church in nine out of 10 churches, I guarantee you, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be thrown out of the churches in the middle of a sermon. If Jesus Christ himself came back to preach, 
Mm-hmm. He would be asked to leave most churches. He would be sued by the ADL because of the way he spoke about uh, his Jewish brethren and and John chapter 8 and compared them to being sons of the devil. He would be considered an anti-Semite for the way he spoke to the Canaanite woman um, and called her a dog, basically, you know, to mm-hmm. test her. But he, that's mm-hmm. the language he used. He would be called misogynistic. Um, he didn't appoint enough female apostles. So, again, you know, uh, the feminism in the church, uh, that type of spirit would come after him and on down the line. So what we need to do as Christians is recover our faith, the faith that we had, um, especially what came to fruition during the Reformation. We were high thinking people. We weren't intimidated. We knew scripture inside and out. We have to get over this thing where, okay, I'm saved, you're saved, now we wait to die or be raptured. Hmm. And it's not saying these people aren't Christians, but it's an immature type of Christianity where we can't address the serious issues today anymore. And we've forgotten our history where the Christian worldview used to shape the world and move things Hmm. along. When you needed a question answered on morality or metaphysics or something in philosophy, ethics, we were able to do that. So we've gone from Augustine uh, to Joel Osteen. And yeah. we've gone from Thomas Aquinas uh, and, uh, you know, chasing the principles of Scripture. And not that he was completely correct, but at least thinking high enough to, to try and look at what someone like Aristotle was saying to, you know, T.D. Jakes. Uh, right. So this is, this is what's happened to the church. It's become, we've become a soundbite um, you know, meme, uh, you know, one-liner type faith, and God expects more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the, uh, you know, the what do they call it, the rapture and uh, getting out of here. That's usually the first thing that they think of when things really get bad. And you know what? Really, things aren't near as bad. At, you know, like you say, church history. Not um, even close. Not even close. I mean. <laughs> They think that, and and the other thing too is what's happening in this country isn't necessarily what's happening throughout the world. I was reading today of, of the uh, massive conversions taking place in Algeria, it's a Muslim country, and how Bibles have been smuggled in there, hundreds of thousands of Bibles, and uh, so a lot of stuff's going on in other parts of the world. Now you had mentioned in your sermon about China, and I'd like to talk about that because. My wife and I had devotions, oh, maybe three months ago, and I distinctly remember um, I was trying to pray biblically, and I'm saying, Lord, either convert this regime or bring them down, one or the other. And uh, as these things were happening and unfolding with the virus and and, uh, so forth and so on, I just happened to think back about that, and I thought, oh, my, I wonder if the Lord heard my prayer or if it's just a coincidence. Of course, nothing's a coincidence in, in in our in our faith here, but uh, you had said in the sermon about you know God is doing in China what you know we couldn't do with all the military power and might at our disposal. Um, Want to elaborate on that a little bit? I think that's really really cool. Right. Well, if you look throughout history, even when uh, Daniel speaks about it in chapter two, when we have the history of world empires, and it doesn't matter at what time they've existed. Um, they always serve God's purpose. So obviously, Christ's kingdom has commenced um, since his uh, ascension into heaven. He's reigning from his throne. 
We still have rebellions. We have rebels on the earth, of course. Mm. China is one of those nations, or so is the United States, where he will still use them for his purpose. Mm. And they're still in the palm of his hand. And what I was trying to bring out is, uh, as you had mentioned, even with all our weaponry, I mean, we have just, China was just supposed to become an economic power. They actually betrayed a lot of those that were helping them and also became a military power. And you know, I don't blame them, right? This is a rough world. If you can do it, you do it. They're not following uh, Christian principles. But the point is, I don't believe that we had this uh, virus outbreak. Um, we're going to have a discipline coming to China, guaranteed. And it's not because we're any better than them. But I believe it's their treatment of their people. They've broken God's natural law with their one-child policy, with their slave labor. I mean, this is not uh, capitalism that's going on in China. This is slave labor. Um, and what's happening is God, if you think about it, I mean, what else could bring them to their knees? Mm -hmm. As well as many people in this country to all of a sudden, you know, be open to prayer and acknowledging that maybe there is something in control beside themselves. But a simple virus, a coronavirus, which you can read about it on the label of a candelisol. It's not <laughs> a very complex attack, but it brought down a modern nation with all this power. And I honestly, I give glory to God. I honestly believe it's because of the treatment of the Christians there crying out for help and how the religious leadership, whether it's the Vatican uh, which, you know, they they love tyrants. They always make deals, whether it's Hitler or it's a presidency, it doesn't matter. Um, but just the complete selling out of major denominations, as far as their people are concerned in China, that I absolutely believe this is God smacking them in the face mm -hmm. for the way they treat his people. And I've mm -hmm. said in the past, um, these regimes that look unbeatable, including ourselves, right. God can humble in an instant. He can humble them in an instant. Right, right, exactly. And and that's, you know, you think about a little virus that you can't hardly see. I mean, you can't see it. I guess, I don't know if you can even see it through a, a microscope, but the power of God, the wisdom of God is just stunning. I mean, that just really excites me. And uh, there is a cause and effect going on in this world. And, you know, we, we walk by faith. We understand these things by faith. But but we read the newspaper and we can see God's hand in in many things. And you see Christians protected where others are destroyed. And, you know, wickedness, uh, you know, don't live out half their days, you know, where righteous, not, not, not everyone, of course, but as a general rule, um, we see that God watches over his people and his covenant, his covenant uh, people uh, down through the ages and uh, it's just really exciting uh, to see that. Um, so, what do you think? What do you think uh, is going on with the coronavirus? I mean, I, in in the United States, what what do you see God doing with all that? Well, I believe that this was. I mean, again, you know, someone will write a book again and make lots of money off it. Off it, how it's the end. It's the end times, just like the blood moons we had a couple of years ago. The end times, just like nine eleven was the beginning of the end times. I mean, it goes. On and on. Now, if Christ came back tomorrow, amen, let him come. I mean, what a glory it would be. But that's not our job to predict dates. Our job is to look at scripture and be able to prophesy to the world, not prophesy like some, you know, cheap, charismatic uh, fortune teller. 
on TBN, <laughs> but to really prophesy <laughs> about the trends and what's going to happen. So, for example, I did a sermon called, uh, 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 it was about tearing down the tower of the EU. And this was before Brexit and um, what was going to happen. Well, how do we know that these these type of empires fall? Because We've seen it from history. First of all, God tells us in Isaiah, he will not share his glory with another. Mm-hmm. So once you start thumbing, you know, thumbing your nose at God, he'll come for you. And one thing we know, whether it's the Roman Empire or the EU or what America is becoming, when you have a multicultural empire with different ethnic groups, the only way you can unite them is under the gospel. If we do not have one law and one faith, we will not get along. And isn't that working itself out? So people will become tribal. They will go back to their own cultures. The, the, the Tower of Babel, God dispersed it. The curse was reversed. In the, uh, the book of Acts at Pentecost, people were able to speak the language of the gospel. And as you mentioned so eloquently, uh, the first two commandments, you know, love God and love your neighbor, which is based on the Ten Commandments. And then we have statutes built off of that. If we all can't agree on that, then there is no unity. It's just a veneer of civilization. And once this virus starts to affect us economically, as the old saying goes, people are, you know, three meals away from anarchy. You're mm-hmm. going to see that work itself out. Yeah. When economics hits, um, you know, it, it does. It does. Actually, I think this whole thing is is making people think in ways that they've never thought before, kind of shaking, shaking the earth, really, uh, the whole earth, too. It's not just us everywhere, everyone. So it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. Um, I don't know. What do you think it bodes for the church? I mean, up to this point, you know, we were all comfortable going to church in large crowds. And, um, of course, we've had to, well, we most of us have decided that, Maybe we should follow the guidelines and separate and or not meet as as regularly as we should, whatever. You know how all things have changed, but right. uh, our church is starting to meet again. And uh, and uh, what, what do you what do you see? Do you, have you thought about you know what this might do to the church for the for good in some right. way? Is there anything well, well, that you? Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. I believe we're in the midst of another reformation. I believe the printing press that Luther and the Reformers were able to utilize. I believe the Internet is the new printing press, mm-hmm. and we'll use that technology to reach the people we need to. God will rebuild the church. It has become something disgusting. If mm-hmm. you try and find the church, uh, for example, I mean, I don't want to name names. I'm not one to start trouble, but uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church. If Luther was resurrected, he would hang these people. Mm. that are in leadership. They mm. pray for Planned Parenthood. Mm. They have same-sex unions. They mm. have not just female ministers, but lesbian ministers. So, and, and you look at many of the Presbyterian churches, Knox would have beat them and thrown them out of the church. Uh, they <laughs> claim to be reformed, but they are synagogues of Satan. I mean, John Knox and the reformers, these were aggressive, dangerous men that mm. loved the Lord. Not a single one of them would be able to preach in the denominations that are called by their name. So yeah. God is going to discipline his church. We will have a reformation. We will have victory out of this, not because we're so good, 
mm-hmm. because God always wins. And if there's one thing that I'd like to leave, uh, an impression I'd like to leave upon people with this interview, is that remember, when um, Joshua met the angel of the Lord on the road when he was heading into battle, and he asked the angel of the Lord, well, whose side are you on? The angel of the Lord basically told him, look, kid, I'm on God's side. It has nothing to do with you or with the enemy. And that's what the church has to learn. God is not always on our side. We better make sure we study scripture and analyze the situation and that we are on God's side. God is sovereign, not us. So we've gotten caught up in a lot of bad habits in the church. We've copied um, the culture and we've reduced the faith, like I said, to baptism and then dying. There's mm. really no studying in between. And that's not too exciting, really. <laughs> Nothing to get excited about there. Right, um, right. But, yeah, I, yeah, I tend to want to read, you know, the old reformers and the Scottish reformers and the continental reformers and, and all that. I don't really read much of, you know, contemporary whatever, um, whatever you want to call them. Right. But I'm reading this stuff and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I, I've never heard anything like this before in our church. And, you know, uh, so it's like, what happened? I mean, I think the, well, part of the problem, obviously, is people don't read and they don't have an attention span long enough to even read anything. Right. Um, so how do we how do we? Well, God's going to do it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's almost like, too, what what. See what you think about this. I'll just throw this by you with this. seems like the, the government is trying to control the church in many ways. And how I see it might play out is you're going to have, just like you did during the um, Scottish Reformation, uh, the, the, the those who are um, compliant and those who are non-compliant, non-conformists and conformists. I don't know. I'm just thinking that out, and, and maybe that might be the yeah, well, that's a wise observation, and that's a pattern that we see in Scripture. Who were Christ's enemies? Mm. It was the sellout leadership in the church that was married to the Roman Empire, mm. um, and that, that's where they derived their power. And when we read the Bible, we think, oh, you know, and even our Jewish friends try to make us believe that, oh, these were faithful Jewish leaders, and Christ was just incorrigible and unreasonable. First of all, before Rome was there, the Greeks was there. The Greeks were there. This was mm-hmm. part of the Seleucid Empire. These people were appointed, just like our religious leaders today are appointed. Uh, President Trump walked to St. John's Episcopal Church and, you know, made a statement in front of the church. And, and then uh, the female bishop came out and had things to say. And I mean, come on, even the National Cathedral. Does, do, does anyone think that these churches or the leadership is uh, authorized by God or they're even legitimate in God's eyes? It's a joke. Mm-hmm. Even the, um, the National Day of Prayer. I mean, they wouldn't invite me to Saudi Arabia on Ramadan to, to pray as a, uh, you know, as a Christian minister. So it's not being offensive to anyone. But if you want to have a national day of prayer and, and have it in the Christian tradition, what is an imam doing there? What is a Hindu priest doing there? Do you want to provoke God to anger? Just don't have the service at all. So yeah. people will call me, email me, hey, you know, you want to get involved in national day of prayer? No way. I wouldn't touch that thing with a 10 foot dirty pole. Okay. I don't mean, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't want God to, to condemn me. I'm not a syncretist. Um, so this is going to happen. The church that is liberal 
always chickens out, always gets scared and joins the state. Mm -hmm. Our worst enemy is always the liberal Christian, the fake Mm -hmm. Christian. It is not the homosexual agenda. It is not the Muslim. It is not the humanist. It is the humanist in the church, the one that will look at Ken, you know, look at me, right? Look Mm -hmm. at Mr. Souter, look at me and say, hey, guys, I'm a Christian, too. Mm-hmm. You're preaching hate. I read the same Bible you do. I see God accepting pedophiles right. and sodomites and murderers. And that's exactly what they do. So that's a keen observation. We could see these um, trends in Scripture. And, yeah, we have to call these people out while we still have a chance. My battle and your battle is not with the culture. It's with the church. It's mm. the cheapness, the, the plasticness in the church. I, I call it. To, to make it simple for my people, I say, look, many times in the church, we go from good Bereans to criminals. And what I mean by that, if you read Acts chapter 17, the Bereans were commended because Paul gave them a word and they searched the scriptures and then they accepted. It was an astute people. It was a people that were into their scripture, wanted to understand it. Now we have the other case, and this is modern evangelicals, what they teach. We have the two criminals on the cross next to Christ when he's being crucified. And of course, one criminal was repentant and he asked for Christ to take him into his kingdom. And Jesus said, as we know today, you know, you'll be with me in paradise. Fine. But is that to, we're so minimalist. Is that our goal just to be saved and then live like a humanist the rest of our life and just get in at the end? And that's basically what we teach. Get him saved. Get another group saved, which is fine. But isn't there some maturity? Isn't there any sanctification involved? And this is the richness of what the church has had when it's strong. And that's basically what the Reformation was about. The Catholic Church, they became like the thieves on the cross. They were were basically criminals. They just wanted to do the smallest amount they needed to do to be saved. And all of a sudden, the Reformation pushed them to be Bereans again, to to be a mature church, right? And that's what we had. We had a church that studied, uh, that knew how to speak again and speak to the issues. Now we're back to being thieves on the cross. We just want to be saved last minute. And that's the way the culture is. You know, fast food, microwave food, you know, ready-made meals. And we've all been affected by it, myself included. I'm not preaching like I'm some especially holy person that hasn't been affected by this culture. But that's really the direction we've gone in. Right. It's like an inch deep and a mile wide. And it's like just drop in and get people saved and go on. There's no follow through. There's no discipling, no learning, no studying, no whatever. It's uh, and obviously then that we see the results of that. It's it's not good at all um, with 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 what we see. I, I, I don't know. I feel like an oddball in my in my Christian circles. I'm going to a very good church. I, I shouldn't say, you know, that it's necessarily a church's fault, a good, solid preaching and all that. But, um, you know, when you start getting into some of these things of being optimistic and Christ is ruling and we should, you know, the gates of hell shall not prevail against them and all that, people actually get mad at you. Um, like, I had a pastor unfriend me. I mean, because I was starting to, you know, Say that. Look around. Just look around. Can't you see what's going on? You know, it's like, well, yeah, but we walk by faith, not by sight. You know, and we know that what Christ has said is going to come to pass. It may not come to pass tomorrow, but over time it will. And and the the 
the trend of history is towards the gospel winning in time and history. Amen. So, well, I had um, preached a sermon called 1517 all over again. Another one of my favorites, by the way. (laughs) Well, if, if you look at the circumstances and what Luther was speaking about, what was he saying? You had the Muslims breathing down on Germany through the old uh, uh, Ottoman Empire, and you had France, which was supposed to be a Christian nation, actually being allies with the Ottoman Empire at that time. You had the Catholics breathing down Luther's neck, and it didn't look too good. And it's very much like what we're facing today. I mean, the times don't change. And there was financial calamity, and there was religious upheaval, and God was shaking the nations at that time, and they made it. And how do I know they made it? I'm a scientific person. You and I are sitting having a radio show today criticizing everybody, and we haven't been arrested yet. Right. So obviously, our Christian forefathers, and, and through God's providence, made some progress for us. It's funny, because people are sitting in the house, you know, in the summer in air conditioning, eating their ice cream. Yeah. They have five Bibles on the shelf, but they <laughs> want to claim that Christians have made no progress throughout history. Right, right. Isn't it, isn't it ironic? It's 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 crazy. It, it truly is. Uh, thanking God for the victories and saying, "Wow, this is amazing! Look how far the faith has come." Mm. I mean, I can walk out onto the street with six Bibles in my hand, and I don't have a bishop chasing me, and there's no Spanish Inquisition, and and we actually act like we've made no progress. Like the church, I mean, all hospitals come from the church, all orphanages come from the church. Mm. The whole idea of allowing people to speak and face their accusers, that mm-hmm. was developed through the church because Christ said you needed two or three witnesses to, um, you know, to uphold the uh, conviction, um, to, to certify something, just like we had, uh, he spoke about in the Old Testament. So we're losing those things all because we're afraid to be called a bigot or a racist or a misogynist or whatever it is. People are giving up the entire faith because they're afraid to be called names. Mm. You know, I, I like uh, to. Yeah, go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say no, one of the things that I use a lot is, uh, is I heard this saying, and it just really, it does help to put things in perspective for a lot of people who are thinking about this. It's like, truth is hate to those who hate the truth. I mean, so you get this hate stuff, and I had this just last week. I had somebody texting me because some, some things I was saying that. You know, my church is a you know full of hate mongers, and you know their church love wins. You know, we accept all people yeah. of all. You know, love wins. It's like, what does that mean? I mean, love is based on truth. It's not just what love is. So, I mean, what do you mean by that? <laughs> so, exactly. Well, they, they have no balance. Remember, egalitarian humanism. This whole idea of equality. Um, it's even been read into uh, our faith and people are falling for this. When you make everything equal, then you destroy reality itself. You destroy your nation. You destroy your faith. All faiths are not equal. All philosophical propositions are not equal. And this is the same thing we faced in the Garden of Eden. The whole order was turned upside down when Adam and Eve believed the lies of the devil that they were equal with God that they could discern right and wrong for themselves. And we're seeing the same thing today. The design was for God to be the boss, obviously, for Adam to be his vice regent on earth, for Eve to help him. 
and for the animal world to be on the bottom. And by the time we get out of the third chapter of Genesis, for a while we had the serpent on top, we had um, Eve leading her husband around, we had Adam under her, and then we had God on the bottom. And that's exactly what we're getting now. And it causes mass confusion. And God had to actually reverse the order again, where he cursed the serpent, he put the creation back under him and under Adam, and he told, Adam, he told Eve, this is very popular today amongst feminists, he said, your desire shall be for your husband. So he restored the order there, and God was the boss again. And we keep trying to overturn that. If you make all things equal, that's why we're in the situation we're in. Children correct their parents. Mm. Uh, the person that worked, walks into your church and they've been a Christian three months, they've read, you know, one book of scripture. They're correcting Ken Souter, who has spent his life yeah. studying the Bible. And there is no rank anymore. That's why people complain, oh, this generation. Yeah, uh, that's how we're raised now. We want to be the CEO after six months at a company. Amen. We don't want to go through the steps. We don't because we're all equal. And we're seeing that on the streets today. The criminal is equal to the business owner. Everybody's equal. So we don't even have the faith and the resolute um, commitment to condemn anything. And it, it's a shame, but we're going to watch it play out. But once the house burns down, we can build it up again. And we'll be in the same situation that Christians were during the Roman Empire. Constantine, you know, where, where Christians were once persecuted, Constantine had to beg the Christians and the theologians to help take over the empire to serve justice so it could even survive. Mm. Yeah, everything about our country, if you know history, really, the, all the good stuff, there's this, you know, this saying, you know, make America great again, right? Um, right. What, what made America great in the first place? I mean, that should be the question that what we're doing today is not what made America great in the first place. Um, spending trillions and trillions of dollars and throwing it out at people because whatever. I mean, th those are not the things that made America great. What made America great came out of the Reformation and the, the entire change of thinking that came out of that. And, um, you know, freedom and liberty and and uh, ability to to be all that you could be under God. Uh, equal Equal opportunity, but not equal outcome. No, because everybody's different. I can't pitch a, a baseball like Jamie Moyer, my next door neighbor who I grew up with, could pitch. And I, I have no problem with that, you know. Um, but I'm pretty good at financial planning and some things like that. And, I, you know, I've got a good track record there. And like you said, uh, recently I was trying to counsel a younger brother and, and he just would not have anything uh, of what I was trying to share with him. I said, brother, I've got 45 years of Christian experience. I've got... 23 years of experience in this field, I think I know a few things, um, but no, they want to hear it. And it is, and everybody wins today. You know, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's a hero. Everybody's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's upside down. It truly is upside okay. down. But that's it. That's it. And it's, it's a great observation. You bring up wonderful points. I mean, you nailed it. That's it. Everyone's a winner. Everyone's equal. There is no defeat. I mean, I was going to sue the Philadelphia 76ers because I don't see any five foot nine, 250 pound um, white men, you know, playing power forward or center for them in basketball. Right. Now, if I brought that lawsuit, we would laugh, but yet we treat the culture that way. Yeah. We will lower we will lower standards. 
to get people into the military or to join the police force that we're actually complaining about right nowadays, but we'll lower the standards to get these people in instead of making them hit a standard. So mm. the Philadelphia 76ers would laugh at me, yet we're going to compromise the Marines and we're going yeah. to lower the physical qualifications just to get, you know, GI Jane in, just to get, you know, a woman in. Um, mm. And it's amazing because egalitarianism will continue to tear this place down. We have no moral ground to stand upon because every culture is equal. Every religion is equal. Yeah. Remember when, when Paul was debating the, the, the Greeks and the Areopagus, he was educated. He knew that they weren't um, atheists. You know, it wasn't a metaphysical problem. It was an epistemological problem. They made a uh, idol to the unknown God. They said, wait a minute. You're questioning if we could know that God. I know him. He's Jesus Christ. And they didn't even get mad at him for saying that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. It's when you say Jesus is the only way. That's what offends people. They'll accept the resurrection. They'll accept our faith, our little private devotionals, as long as we keep it in the church. As soon as you make it exclusive and you break their dearly held beliefs of egalitarianism, they want to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's difficult today. And, uh, you know, I keep going back to this is it used to be uh, church militant. You don't hear that very much anymore. Um, but we were you know, in this world to, to fight um, error and, and, and all that and, and, and to be, uh, you know, on, on the money. I, I know there was an organization called um, Campus Crusade for Christ. And um, they're still there, but they changed their name. So it's now Crew. Uh, the crusade is is chopped down to crew. I don't know if they did that intentionally, but it certainly seems like maybe they didn't want to offend anybody that maybe we were on some kind of a crusade. Um, but that's what we need to be. We need to be on a crusade and be optimistic and Amen. onward Christian soldiers. Today, it's backward Christian soldiers. And even if that, you know, it's, it's really, really sad. Um, we have about 15 minutes here just... I want to give you an opportunity to, you know, preach to us a little. What should we be doing? And and you know, people are listening today and say, I'm a Christian. I'm in a church. I've never heard this stuff before. You know, what would you suggest for me other than maybe start tuning in and listening to you? Because I think your sermons are really good. And um, I do want to recommend that you do go and listen to uh, Pastor Rubino on Sermon Audio. I do it every week, and uh, it's really a blessing to hear so what would you say in the next 15, 10, 15 minutes or so? Just remember that Scripture answers everything. And mm -hmm. when we tell people, hey, you know, you need Jesus, you have to get past the slogan. You have to understand Scripture enough, be able to parse the Scriptures and show them why. We, Jesus is the answer because he's the answer to all the philosophical problems we've ever had. He really, he's the only answer to equality. Um, you have to explain how, uh, get our history back. Our history has been hijacked. How um, Christ's law brings peace to the nations. How can you make the king equal with the pauper? How can you make people equal um, of different ethnic groups, like you eloquently said, with equal opportunity? Well, that's yeah. being equal under the law. So if I can't, 
debase my own money and make counterfeit money, well, the government shouldn't be able to either. If I have to balance my books and I can't live on credit forever, well, the U.S. government should have to behave that way also. So we just want to show them principles from Scripture that have guided this nation. Even a secular humanist who's an historian will not deny that it's not only the Christian faith that shaped this country, but as you uh, mentioned, it was the Reformed faith. And we're still running Mm. on the fumes of Calvinistic Puritanism. That's what shaped the 13 colonies. That's what made them a force to be reckoned with. They were so powerful in their addiction to study that even today, as they many of them become godless, Ivy League schools still dominate the scene. Mm. And that's a testament to the Puritan ethic. People would sit for a six-hour worship service. Um, mm. You can't, you know, there are unions now in certain churches. There's, there's contract agreements with the pastor that you can't torture the pastor and make them, you know, preach more than 28 and a half minutes. <laughs> I mean, but that, that's where we're going. Like, that's, that's the attention span now. That's the work ethic. Let's bring back the work ethic that the reformers had. Let's really be men again. Let's open up those scriptures, dig into it, apply the word of God to everything, and recover our history. We are in grave danger. The, the faith of the revolution, or people like to call it the political left, or that revolutionary faith, that's what's going to bring down this country. What we're experiencing now, with, with not only with the virus, but now with these different uh, protests that turn into riots, and what, what we're going through, this is the same thing the French Revolution brought. And as a matter of fact, you know, they're saying equality and fraternity. I mean, these are the things they preached, mm-hmm. is that we had to make everyone equal no matter what. And we went through the same, the Russian people went through the same thing during the Bolshevik revolution. It was all all about equality. But what they do is they destroy your history. They tear down your monuments. They rewrite all the history books and they always get rid of Christianity because Christianity puts everything in its proper place. It reflects uh, reality. These other philosophical systems don't. And the one that we're dealing with today if you look at the symptoms of what's going on, it is the French Revolution, it is the Bolshevik Revolution, come to this nation. And um, when I, I spoke about it in a sermon, warning for America, and I spelled it with a K, and they kept correcting me on sermon audio, and then I tell them, look, I'm not illiterate, I want the K there, to reflect the communist connotation. Right. But the point was, all the things we used to make fun of in this country, yeah. um, women in the military, uh, no belief in God, Abortion on demand, breaking up families, um, disobeying natural law that God's put in place. This was all in the Soviet Union 50 years ago, and we used to laugh about it. Now it's here. Now it's here. And these are the principles we continue to follow. Um, You know, the whole, so that's what I want to bring out is that the Bible applies to everything. And we need to get back to that rigorous faith of study an application. Mm. Yeah, very well said. Um, I couldn't have said it any better. Um, back to the Bible and, uh, you know, read the old confessions and uh, read the Puritans, as Spurgeon said. Um, there's there's just so much there to uh, to bolster your faith and understand really where our uh, heritage came from. Um, 
you know, a lot of times I'll say something and, and I'll always preface it because I know it's going to be interpreted as being cultish almost. You say, but do you believe that? I said, no, no, this is what, what church believed for hundreds of years. <laughs> okay, it's not nothing. Right. I'm not coming up with something new. Just you got to just know what your your history believe. And a lot of times people are just taken back by that. So it does help in defending the faith to know that, you know, much of these things are not new. They're really not. It's just a matter of resurrecting them again. And as you said in your sermon in 1517 all over again, which I thought was such a catchy title, I couldn't help but listen to it. And I recommend the listening audience to look that one up because it is so true. Uh, but what's happening in the streets of America today is just unheard of. People are genuinely shocked. I mean, it's unbelievable the uh, what's going on right now. So God is shaking our country, and I trust that out of it will come some good and uh, that we will have a reformation again in this nation. That's certainly my prayer, and I know it's yours as well. Absolutely, and, and as Christians, we shouldn't be uh, shocked. We could see the trend. I had um, uh, delivered a sermon called Civil War Two, and Surviving the Second Civil War, and I went into that almost two years ago because you can see the trends from Scripture. Um, mm -hmm. We, You look at Romans 1, uh, once you heterosexuals ruin marriage first. We know that through cheating and adultery. We're not mm -hmm. just picking on mm -hmm. sodomites. Mm -hmm. It just goes downhill from there. And once you reject God, everything falls into place. You go from the adultery to the sodomy, then you go to the pedophilia, and then we eventually get down to eating people. Yeah. And I talked about how cannibalism would be supported, and people giggled at me. And now you have all these movies on Netflix and HBO, and cannibalism is becoming popular. And uh, you even have people like, um, oh, that godless atheist, I, I forgot his name, but a very famous atheist philosopher. Um, and he was saying we have to get over the taboo of eating human flesh. Oh, my gosh. So oh. this scripture doesn't lie. Once we go down that rabbit hole, it goes very deep. And yeah. um, it's all egalitarianism. Yeah. I mean, even today speaking with you, fine, you introduced me as pastor. That's wonderful. I respect you. You're my elder in Christ. You've had more years in the faith. You have more life experience. So out of respect for you, when you called me and asked me to come on the show, how can I refuse? I mean, I learned just as much from you as you know, you're mentioning my sermons, but I learned just as much, if not more, from you. Mm -hmm. And this needs to be the attitude of the church again, regardless of how the world treats each other. Mm -hmm. Let's treat each other by the example we're given in Scripture. Let's respect our elders again. Let's learn something. Yeah. 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 No, I look back myself over the years in, in my faith. I've been a Christian for 45 years, and I can only probably on a hand, one hand, those who I really looked up to as, as being uh, role models uh, in the church, unfortunately, but they were truly pillars, and, and I, I owe a lot to them as well. And uh, uh, it's a foolish thing not to to listen and, and get wisdom from, from somebody who's got more life experience and, and so forth and been walking with the Lord a lot more. Um, but um, so, yeah. So anyway, um, what's what's... Tell us a little bit about your church, if, if somebody's up in the area there, how they might be able to find you and, and that sort of thing. And we do plan, actually, my wife and I were talking, and we're going to we're gonna come up to your church one of these times. Now that she's retired and we have a little more time, we're going to 
we're definitely going to show up there. Sure. Well, it's Fellowship Baptist Church um, in Coney Island, and it's 2929 West 20th Street. Um, we're having, of course, problems right now uh, right. because, um, as many people uh, might know, our current mayor and governor are not faithful Christians. So right. There are a lot of restrictions, and um, so we have some things going on now, but regularly, um, 2929 West 20th Street, uh, Brooklyn, New York, we're right across from the minor league ballpark for the Cyclones, the Mets, um, I believe it's the oh, Mets yeah. farm team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're one block off the beach, and um, you can also find us on um, Sermon Audio, of course, you can find us on... Uh, if you just Google a search, if you Google my name, um, I usually come right up. Uh, there aren't a lot of uh, you know, Pastor Robert Rabinos, so if you do that, um, some links will come up. But you also have our phone number, and uh, yeah, we will be reestablishing our worship soon. Um, you know, of course, we have some issues right now, but right. you can right. find us uh, on the sure. not a problem. Sure, sure. No, I really appreciate that, and again, I, I am so. Thankful that you're out there. Um, there's precious few of you. There are some, though, uh, others uh, out there as uh, as you've uh, you know teaching the same same thing that we've been talking about this morning. So I'm grateful for that and I'm grateful for our fellowship. I want to thank you for coming on the show this morning. And uh, would you come back again if we invited you? Oh, sure. Anytime you want to get in trouble, just invite me back on. No <laughs> yeah. problem. It'd be my pleasure. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Rubino, for, for coming on the show today and engaging in a lively and very uh, very good discussion today. Um, my name is Ken Sauter, and what you're listening to is a show called Biblically Speaking here on WFYL, 1180 AM. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you. And you can always contact the station if you'd like to reach out to either myself or Pastor Rubino. You can uh, you know, go to the website and... Um, Find the contact information there. We'd love to hear from you. So with that, we thank you again for listening. And until next time, may God bless you and keep studying God's word.